Welcome back to the Nick Tiffany's Movie Reviews in the podcast form. Today we are breaking into my top 10 favorite films of the year, starting with this review for The Batman. Uh, to know me is to know and understand my love of Batman. Um, there is no greater superhero to me. I have more Batman comics than I have most of anything in any category in my life, uh, more, more than games or movies or anything like that. Um, you know, I got a great replica cowl this last year for Halloween, um, based off of Ben Affleck's Batman from Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, so to say I'm a fan of Batman is a bit of an understatement. Um, so I was exceptionally pleased to discover that Matt Reeves who was made famous by the uh, the Planet of the Apes trilogy he directed recently, um, when it was decided that he would helm a new Batman film with Robert Pattinson playing Bruce Wayne and Batman. Um, a lot of people had a lot of opinions about Robert Pattinson at first, um, and this is kind of always the case, I feel like, with Batman especially, but a lot of superheroes, when it comes time to recast or... Put someone new in the saddle. Most people this time around, obviously, were like, oh, you're going to make the Twilight guy Batman? Edward Cullen is going to be Batman? Come on. Um, to which I would say, if you are a fan of film, um, in the last, oh, well, over a decade, Robert Pattinson has just been putting out some phenomenal work, uh, especially in the independent circuit. But uh, he, I mean, he is a fascinating actor. And I think when people finally saw Tenet, uh, Christopher Nolan's Time movie, um, they got a better idea that, okay, this guy looks pretty dashing in a suit. I could see him playing a Bruce Wayne type. Um, but those who know understand that he is a really incredible actor who's capable of a lot. Um, and then a lot of big news came out because Colin Farrell was going to be playing the Penguin, and he was going to be stuck under a ton of prosthetic. And you had Jeffrey Wright, who was going to be an African-American James Gordon this time around. And, you know, of course, people had to bitch about that online. But uh, I mean, Jeffrey Wright's probably one of the better actors we have working right now. You may know him from uh, Westworld. He was in some of the Daniel Craig James Bond movies as his CIA friend. Um, yeah, I mean, this is a pretty stellar cast that they assembled for this. You've got Andy Serkis, the master of all things sci-fi and fantasy and anything who played Gollum he did the motion capture and voice for Gollum he did the motion capture and voice for Caesar um, in those Planet of the Apes films directed by our director Matt Reeves here um, John Turturro Paul Dano I mean the the cast is stacked Zoe Kravitz playing Catwoman um, the first thing that just solidified this film for me almost from the get-go um, I remember watching it opening night in the theater. Michael Giacchino, who is just one of the best, if not the best, working composers out there, um, just delivers this Batman score that's so dark and so ominous. And the best thing ever is watching all these moments where criminals look into the darkness, scared out of their minds because... Batman might be lurking there. So we might have to go the other way. You know what? We dropped something back there. Leave it because it's not worth it. Once his symbol's up in the sky, nowhere is safe. 
And if you're a criminal, you're always looking over your shoulder. And I think they did such a good job of, uh, of showing the fear that Batman puts into criminals um, just so early on. And the idea that you're always paranoid, there could always be something out there watching you. You know, Batman can't be everywhere, but his goal is to make you think he can. Um, and, you know, so as a big fan of the comics, this is a, a Batman story that takes place essentially in year two of uh, Bruce's time as Batman. Um, you know, there. Uh, this is less of a film, but, you know, it, it kind of goes back and forth. There's a, a decent amount of time spent with Bruce Wayne. A majority of it is spent as Batman. Um, and I think in a next film, we probably will spend more time with Pattinson outside of the suit. Um, but given that this is year two, it's present day, you know, 2022. Um, the technology he's got is pretty fascinating and how he uh, keeps his records of his days because something that was integral in a lot of the Batman comics was he is a detective. And a lot of people forget that sometimes, but he is the world's greatest detective. And part of that is because he spent so much time journaling every single night. Uh, every time he'd go out on patrol, whether it was thugs he stopped here, or bank robbery here, little connections and interrogations he made, every night he's patrolling, every night he is getting a better idea of the city, understanding how to get around the city, um, places that he knows are pretty frequented by criminals, things like that. Um, and so this film does a really good job, I think, of showing you, and of course we get a, a Robert Pattinson narration at the beginning, just about his time in Gotham and everything he's seen and hoping he's making a difference. Because um, this film really dives into the political backside of the, the Wayne family, um, the... Uh, the big crime bosses is the, you know, the Falcones, uh, Carmine, played by John Turturro, um, corruption within politics. Um, it's pretty fascinating because there are a lot of, a lot of the older Batman stories um, are pretty heavy on the gangster stuff, on the political drama. I think for a while they kind of got away from that as Batman started fighting more bigger villains, um, and his stories got more grandiose. You move away from that because he's out in the cosmos helping fight off nether bat people, and, you know, there's all sorts of stuff that's happened in comics now, but they had kind of moved away from some of, uh, some of that older style of storytelling just, uh, as far as the political corruption goes in Gotham. So I thought that that was a really fascinating angle to take in this film, um, much like in The Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, and the idea that, you know, <laughs> not everything always happens by the book, and it's hard enough to keep those criminals in jail and make something happen in Gotham. So you certainly see that here. Um, and so you start this story with the Riddler, played pretty fantastically, I'd say, by Paul Dano, um, who in this film is given far more of a serial killer dynamic. Um, he's honestly terrifying for the first half of the film. Um, there's that sense of, you know, whether he doesn't know how powerful he is or he just can't control how crazy he gets as he's beating somebody and you're terrified because it's like, okay, you're like, that's enough. I'm sure he's dead. Or like, I'm sure like, oh God, it's kind of unnerving. Um, 
And and all I'll say for that is that I wish they leaned a little bit more heavily into the serial killer side of the Riddler. Um, as the story progresses, you find perhaps that, you know, maybe he's helping influence some other people around the city. But uh, I'd much rather I'd, I enjoyed the idea that he is usually his own person. And, you know, he might have some henchmen here and there, but, you know, he is the grand orchestrator of... Uh, you know, I'm like, there's a puzzle. There are some some mysteries, but most everything is specifically for the Batman, because the Riddler is trying to figure out who this man is, while also using him to help bring about his own form of justice, whether Batman knows that or not. Um, I wish that there was a little bit more of Alfred in this movie as well. Um, you know, this this film. I don't think it's in my top five of my top ten list. It is certainly a film I've watched three times this year. I love it, and the more I watch it, the the greater I appreciate it. Um, I, it's not without its gripes for an almost three-hour movie. I think the last portion that it spends, um, almost after a part of where you would assume the film may wrap up, um, there's a whole third act that jumps out of nowhere at first. <laughs> Um, and it does lead to some really dramatic and incredible shots in the film. Um, but it felt like it was just a, a beat too long or it felt like, all right, I don't, I don't know if that was like the, the big, big plan we all thought it was, but you're certainly sticking with it. Um, and it's an ending that certainly gives way to, um, sequels for this film. You know, they've talked about doing, uh, they're doing a Penguin TV series for HBO, um, that'll be starring Colin Farrell again and kind of discussing the world of uh, the Batman as Penguin sees it as he's trying to uh, seize some power in the criminal underground. Um, I wish we got a little bit more of Alfred in this film. Um, I think Andy Serkis is a really terrific actor, and so to be seeing him outside of playing a CG character is always great. Um, and this is his version of an Alfred strikes me as one who's a little more stern, I think, you know, we've been used to a jokey Alfred, and, and there always is time for those jokes. Um, but uh, but you got to remember, Alfred was in the British Armed Forces, a special agent. I'm like, he was everything from a uh, soldier to a medic. Um, and so there's this whole background to Alfred that's pretty fascinating. And, you know, he's kind of a take-no-shit kind of person, even though he works for Bruce you know, especially as they grow in their relationship as Batman grows, um, Alfred's kind of on him and he kind of has to be, cause it's like, you have a public image you have to uphold, whether you want to or not, you've got to show up for stock meetings. You have to come do these things. And when he's running himself ragged out there, it's like, you know, you need to stop. You need to breathe. You need to rest and get some sleep. Um, to which of course, Batman will always, always push back against Alfred because crime never sleeps. Um, but I, I enjoyed the dynamic they had because Andy Serkis still sees this broken child that's in this younger Bruce still. Um, and he's seeing how Bruce is trying to get all this anger out and seeing how some of it can still hinder him. Um, and I wish we had just a, just a little bit more time with them on that. Um, but I think we do get just a great amount of time spent with uh, Gordon. Um, and I can't stress enough again, I think Jeffrey Wright was fantastic in this movie. He borders this kind of smarmy detective who, you know, he uh, 
he still, like everybody else, has his issues with Batman. Coming and going, hey, why don't you have, uh, why, why don't you do this on the police server side for me? Why don't maybe you take the fall for some of this? Uh, even though Jim knows it'll help because Jim Gordon is a good guy. And Jim Gordon's one of the few good cops there in Gotham. And so um, watching their relationship bud throughout the film and watching them get better together, cluing each other in on things and working better, um, it paves the way for obviously a really you know, professional relationship, I should say, between them. Because you know, Batman and Gordon never quite, I wouldn't call them friends necessarily. They're about as close a friend as the other has in Gotham uh, when it comes to fighting all this organized crime. But uh, but I, I their chemistry was great. Um, I think they're really, they're really funny together, actually, in some moments, too. Um, and they've got a great scene in particular inside the prison cell where, uh, you know, they've got a fake, like, Batman's knocking him out so he can get away, but that they don't give up the fact that Jim knows him and may work with him. Um... And this leads to Batman kind of utilizing first. He's got to get to the top of this building because cops are chasing him. We expect Batman to have this giant cape. And, you know, in the Dark Knight, they, I forget what they use. It's some form of uh, static electricity or something that helped make the cape rigid so he could glide. You know, year two Batman here does not have that. He's got one of those cool wingsuits that those wingsuit flyer squirrel guys do. Um, and you see him like zip his entire suit up for a while, pop these wings out and he falls off the top of the building before they can grab him. And, you know, for a while he's gliding pretty well, but eventually he crashes. But, uh, I don't know. It's, it's cool because I don't know in superhero films, either if they fail, it's taken for a laugh nowadays. You're like, Oh, look at him slam into the side of the wall. Wasn't that funny kids? Um, I think here is a really realistic depiction of, all right, number one, this is insane because it probably will work, but number two, I'm also going to hit that ground hard, and uh, yeah, we know what to do for next time. Maybe we need to actually get a rigid cape instead of a squirrel suit, um, but looking at his suit and the fact that there's so much metal and so much Kevlar and how military-like it is, he's got these boots, which I loved because uh, every step he took out of the darkness, whether you could see him or not, you could hear the little ting, ting. You knew something was out there, but you didn't know where until he menacingly steps into frame, looking like he's got full-body Kevlar um, and this broken gun turned into the bat symbol on his chest. Um, and, you know, anybody who saw the trailer also saw him beat the crap out of that guy and, you know, tell you I'm vengeance. Um... That moment happens like right at the beginning of the movie, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's like, okay, cool. We got it out of the way. Everyone knew what to expect. Plays great in the theater. Plays great at home because you're like, geez, man, he's a menace. He could just destroy any of them. Um, but there weren't that many more moments like that throughout the film. And I was kind of hoping there would be, like if we're sticking with Arkham Asylum Batman who can take on 10 goons at a time and just kick ass... Um, I was hoping that we'd get a little bit more of that. There's that cool scene in the hallway where they're shooting at him and, you know, you could just see the bullets deflecting. You could hear him deflecting and you slowly see him walking in the muzzle flare. Um, but, you know, that's a scene, too, that 
is weirdly edited because it's this dark music as he's doing this for like 10 seconds and then they're like cut to a random not random but different serious scene um it was like oh you're just like showing me that to be like fun you're not going to do more with it um i guess you just had to fit it in somewhere there so and that's you know towards the end of the film is when all this stuff kind of gets a little more jumbled and so i wish there was a little more cohesion in the end but uh by far and away you know i think this is definitely my favorite superhero movie of 2022 undoubtedly um i think for all its faults it's still pretty fantastic it is a detective first film which a lot of people I know maybe had an issue with too because it's Batman and I'm I'm with you. I'm like, I wanted a little bit more action and fighting. But as a fan of Batman, I really appreciated how true this was to, to his detective work, to how he profiles Gotham, to how he works with the GCPD. Um, you know, we know we're going to get more. We know there's going to be future films, so I think that uh, it's exciting to think about which villains they could bring in for that, whether it's Poison Ivy, whether it's Mr. Freeze. Um, you know, with Catwoman, I think um, I think they were, they were good in the film together. A lot of people made a big deal online about Robert Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz and these photo shoots that they did, and they're like, oh, they're such a sexy couple. Not that they were a couple in real life, but, you know, they're like the two of them together is objectively an attractive-looking group, an attractive couple. Um, so getting into the movie, it was like, okay, you know, I can see he's kind of the voyeuristic from a distance, you know, certainly not emotionally stable enough to uh, actually have a meaningful relationship with her. And, and obviously we know that's Batman's cross to bear as well as, you know, he's just always working. There's no time for love. Love only gets in the way, and family is the thing that you have to protect. And so... <laughs> you know it it wasn't something i thought would totally work out like a lot of the newer comics are doing with batman and catwoman's relationship but uh i don't know in the film i thought that their chemistry was fine they have a really a few really fun moments together but um but it was never anything that i was like oh yeah these two are gonna end up or i can see why you're so longing for her love there but uh then again i you know in the long run most of my gripes are minor because that messy last act leads us to one of the greatest scenes I've ever seen in a Batman movie. Um, and I'm like really trying hard not to spoil it, because I hope most of you have seen it by now. If you haven't, it's on HBO Max, where all good DC things are. Um, but there is a moment where we don't often see Batman in the light of day, at least in the films either. Um, and he's discussing what he thinks he can be to the people of Gotham, what he wanted to be, but maybe what he really needs to be. Um, and usually people are scared when they look at him, even if he's helped them out, even if he just kicked the butt of the robber that he was, you know, who was just robbing you, you're still scared. You're like, all right, well, thanks, but like, don't hurt me, I guess. And we know that's not Batman. And that, that comes with the fear he wants to instill because he needs to be perceived a certain way. Um, but it really is a great moment where this woman is, you know, clinging onto his hand before she's about to get a uh, helicopter evac'd out off a rooftop. Um, everybody's covered in rubble. Batman, his whole suit's covered in dust. Um, and this woman looks at him, doesn't want to let go of his hand because he carried her up there. He carried her out of the rubble 
you know, we see this side of Batman who is willing to put himself out there in the front line with these workers. Hey, let me help get all these people out to safety. Um, and this look and exchange that they have as she's being lifted up and you see Batman watching, making sure she's okay, but understanding the role that he can also play in Gotham. I'm like, whew, I'm getting a little emotional talking about it right now. I'm like, it's, it's powerful stuff. Um, really, really good stuff. I mean, and again, if you're a fan of Batman, um, there are more than a few moments in here that highlight the best of what he can be. Um, and for everyone who always rags on him for not having powers, for not having whatever, you know, there's a reason he's the best. There's a reason he can do it all. Um, God, now I just got to go watch this movie again. (laughs) Um, all right, I'll, I'll stop ranting about Batman for now. You know, eventually, you know, once I get through a lot of these catch-ups, you know, I really do want to get into some longer form discussions, whether it's about the Batman movies, whether it's about comic books, superheroes, all those things. Um, you know, I've got a, a couple guests who are already going to have to uh, to come on when we discuss some of that as well. But that will be coming in the future, you know, also, don't sleep on the car chase scene in this film. <laughs> I mean, I'm like watching that in IMAX was incredible. I feel like it's really hard. This is my last point. The lad just, you know, it just popped in my head. Um, it's really hard these days to make a really good car chase scene, and I say that because I feel like a lot of them have already been done. Um, the further along we get with film and seeing similar stunts and things, you know, it's like, no, oh, I've seen this before. You know, I've seen a car chase. No, Michael Giacchino's score combined with the uh, the kinetic energy of just this weaving traffic, it's raining, you've got all these headlights coming at you, oh, it is awesome, and Batman's just driving this, like, it's like a Dodge Charger or something, clearly that he's, like, souped up with Kevlar, and, you know, he's just breaking through barriers, chasing after Penguin, um, and of course, and then you end up with the upside-down shot of him looking out at Batman, menacingly walking with fire in the background. And, uh, it's just such a great shot. There, there are so many cool, cool moments in this movie. Um, that again, if you're a fan of Batman, it's just like, oh, you couldn't think that they could make him cooler, and they do. So I tip my hat to you, Matt Reeves. Uh, Robert Pattinson, I think he did a great job. Naysayers be damned. Um with all this DC drama going on with James Gunn and Peter Safran's new universe, they've been a little slow on updating us on what's happening with the uh, the Penguin TV show and the Batman 2 um, because there's you know a new DC slate they're supposed to be releasing sometime in the next few days. I'm not sure if I believe that, but uh, I really hope that this world is kept separate like they've said they're going to um, because I think they could make a lot of great content out of what we've already gotten. So if you haven't seen it, watch The Batman on HBO Max. You won't regret it. And we'll see you next time with one of my next top 10 films of 2022. Thanks.